question for you to get started. Can you think of the name of the company that produces the content that you consume the most on the internet? For me, the answer is starting strength. Second question, can you think of another company or a brand that produces the highest quality content of all the content you consume? For me, that's starting strength. So I show my support by subscribing to the network. It's $8 a month. You can sign up at network.startingstrength.com. If you can afford it, if it's no big deal, if eight bucks a month is a lot of money, don't sweat it and just keep listening for free. Uh, speaking of the rich and the poor, if you're the former, you might be able to afford our gyms. But the good news is the first session's free. It's a free 30-minute coaching session. And if you mention this ad spot at any participating gym, you will get a free 30-minute coaching session. So those are our ads. We are sponsored by ourselves. On with the show. Mildly entertaining, somewhat obscure guests, relatively interesting topics, semi-professional production quality, reasonably well-informed commentary, a great value for the money, hundreds of fans all around the world. It's the Starting Strength Gyms podcast with your host, Ray Gillenwater. We're here with Maxine Lasso today. Maxine is a coach at Starting Strength Plano. Um, I don't know Maxine well, but uh, I know the type of person that she is just based on how she operates. And I like the type of person that Maxine is, and I think you will too. So I thought we'd have her on the show today to talk about her mindset and uh, how and why she's able to perform at the level that she does. And just to give you an example of what I'm talking about here, um, how long did it take you to go through the prep course, Maxine? I finished it in under four months. So she she went through the coach prep course, which uh, I think is like a nine-month program, typically. Um, uh, in about four, So how many modules are there? I say about 20 or 20 so. It, it's been a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it's, I think it's like we're targeting six months. It takes most people longer than that. You know, a module a week is a good pace. And then you just banged it out in, in four months. Um, and we recognized her at the coaches conference year before last, which was well-deserved. And uh, then I got to know just a little bit about Maxine's background. And then I found out that she used to be a wrestler. And um, I don't know if you guys know wrestlers, but wrestlers are a different breed. So when it comes to grit and drive, uh, you know, it certainly applies to, to all things in life. And I'm a proponent of doing things that are difficult that uh, help you build psychological fortitude to accomplish amazing things. So um, Maxine is well on her way to becoming a starting strength coach. Um, talk to us, Maxine. So what, what, uh, why is it that you, or I guess, how is it that you got through that prep course in four months when people take twice as long to do it? What, what, what is, uh, what is your goal? What's your mindset? What's tell us about how you approach that. I mean, even when I started the prep course, it's always been where to me, classroom works easy. I knew coaching experience was where I needed to dedicate it the most time. So I didn't, I didn't want to waste time going through the prep course. And I'm not saying I was, you know, lackadaisical in my effort towards it but to me it's like hey let's let's get this prep course done and then go out there and actually apply myself and that's where i had the opportunity to interact and contact brent carter 
started starting straight to Plano because they opened back in April, 2021. And I mean, that's where I've had the most growth, honestly, not to say the prep course doesn't give you experience and knowledge, but it's been the, you know, oh my gosh, almost two years now being at that gym, working with different SSCs and multiple, multiple clients over the past two years. Yeah. Yeah. I think that uh, point you just made reinforces the idea that you can have all the theoretical understanding in the world, but you don't really know something until you have practical experience. And this is, uh, this is a fact that a lot of academics miss, unfortunately. Um, but we, we do our best to combine the, uh, the theory with the practice here, because both are necessary. We have to have a model in our mind. We have to have an idea of what we're doing, an ideal that we're trying to achieve. Um, and then we have to be able to achieve that in the real world with real members. And we have to be able to do that consistently. Otherwise, we can't call ourselves strength coaches. So, um, Maxine, you, you blazed through the prep course, and now you're gaining a whole bunch of practical experience. Um, tell us what happens next in your pursuit of the SSC. Well, I mean, to be honest, my goal is to attempt the platform a second time coming up in June. And I say that because last year I'd been interning for over a year, went and did my platform exam, and out of 11 applicants, only four passed. Right. And I was one of them, you know, straight up. Like, it, it's hard. And, I mean, rip ripped us apart, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know? Um, it's intimidating so going too, into isn't it? it? I mean, he, he yelled at me because I was being too loud. And I'm like, Because ah. you're being too but loud. That, that's always been my problem as a coach, whether I'm coaching wrestling or martial arts. You know, Dang. Yeah, it's that's more a first. Intentionality, right? I thought for sure you misspoke and said that you're being too too quiet because that's typically the feedback that we get. Um, too loud. That's oh, a new it, one. Damn. Well, we'll go with volume control. How volume about that? control. Okay. Got it. <laughs> It definitely was like, I went in opting the first time on purpose because it's the same thing. Classroom setting, super safe. When you don't opt in, it's still safe. And just from being a competitor for so long in my life, I, I, I had to go through the fire and go under the pressure of it. And of course I failed and I'm like, okay, this is how it feels. And this is how it feels at the end to fail. So let's, Let's not repeat that. So definitely going in now a second time, I've already paid and registered for the June seminar is kind of learning to control my anxiety, control my volume, but more importantly, like prioritize what I'm seeing and correct it timely. You know, that was the biggest thing. And, you know, mentor coaches I've worked with, they'll say, you know, you can see these mistakes, but it's the timing. And of course, if you don't have good timing, you can't correct it no matter how much you tell the client afterwards. What is the, the most useful thing in your life that you've found that helps you control your anxiety? Uh, reminding myself I've survived very hard things in my life. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so when I, when I start to notice those feelings replicate, I'm like, well, I've felt it before in this situation. And since the current moment I'm in is way less bad, uh, I will find a solution and I'll find a way through it. Hell yeah. Yeah. I, I feel the same way. And, and for me, it's been martial arts. That's, that's uh, helped me simulate those experiences because if you're drowning and you feel like, uh, your, uh, well-being is in danger because you're getting tired and there's someone who's less tired, that's continuing to attack you and you can still keep your head straight and breathe and make it through and do that over and over and over again, and then come out on the other side and know that things are still okay. 
when it comes time to speak in front of a group of people or do things that are otherwise stressful, it's kind of like, yeah, I feel nervous, but in comparison, I know that I can do a whole lot more than this. And I have, I've proven it to myself that I can. And that, that gives me confidence to, uh, to proceed through most of life's toughest challenges. And then of course, the lessons we learn under the barbell is, is it similar for you? Oh yeah. Because unless you do something difficult, like a combat sport, the next hardest thing is going to be barbell training, yeah. you know, and, and don't get me wrong. Like I absolutely love wrestling. I love martial arts, but the majority of the clients that starting strength gyms that they're never going to have the opportunity to expose themselves to that. So the next hardest thing that people can do is get under a barbell. And I, I didn't even get to touch a barbell till I was 19 years old, but it was through starting strength. I read the first edition book way back in 2007. Oh, no shit. <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was one of those where, you know, this guy named Rip <laughs> wrote this book, the black book, and my boyfriend gave it to me and said, hey, if you want to learn to barbell train, then read this book. And, and so it's like I've always – know nothing else and even though i'd go to the dark side and try crossfit or whatever hmm. i was like yeah you know i'm gonna veer back to starting strength and you know i'd repeat my nlp after a big layoff or a big injury and i'm like this actually works and you know my game changer in my competitive career was barbell training tell me about that i want to hear about your uh your wrestling background um just as anything you want to share that's interesting. And then I'd also like to hear about how strength training helped your martial arts. Sure. And I mean, just as a quick background on me, I currently coach wrestling, girls wrestling. But when I was in high school, girls wrestling didn't exist at my school. So I actually had to go into karate and go into judo and other sports. And what happened was, you know, I'm five foot one and a half or five foot one and three quarters, you know, on a good day. And <laughs> I, I was just always the, the smallest, weakest one. And, you know, I was out of shape. And even though I was really tough and aggressive, I just couldn't overcome the deficit of my, you know, lack of experience and inability to get inside the gap. But pretty much when I was 19 years old and I started barbell training with starting strength within six months, I was dropping girls with body shots. You know, people, girls knew I hit hard even though at the time I was walking at 125 pounds, you know, and I was also having to cut weight. And it was just one of those people didn't understand why I got faster, why I got more explosive. And this was at a time when barbell training was really frowned upon in the martial arts community where I literally had a sensei ask me, who's now an Olympic coach. He's like, you know, how does barbell training make you stronger? <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> what? Do, I mean, how do I even begin? You know, and, and what was funny was once the guys that I trained with started barbell training and they saw results, then it was embraced. Yeah. So it, it, to me, it was kind of ironic that, you know, women can see such an improvement in their strength levels when they start barbell training. But then you take a guy who may already be strong, put him on a barbell, and then there's even more exponential improvements. Um, yeah. And that's kind of been my toss up throughout life is it's like, you know, I'm trying to balance all of my technical practice with the barbell training. And unfortunately one may give way to the other where flat out some of my failures came from training too much versus practicing. And that's going with the two factor model, Sure, you know, which I hope people listening to this know about. Yeah. We'll link to that in the show notes so everyone can read the uh, two factor model of sports performance, which 
is a really good insight and and Ripito puts it beautifully. It essentially states that if you are an athlete, you need to train your body to um, learn movement patterns. And you do that by practicing the movement patterns. And so you practice your sport. And then in addition to that, you, you ought to optimize your structural changes. And you can do that by getting stronger and adding weight to the bar over time. So if your human machine can produce more force through the range of motion that you've practiced efficiently, um, you will become more powerful. You will be more uh, capable. You will be more explosive, um, especially if you're also training power. Um, and then there's, there's the metabolic stuff you can mess with too, right? You can uh, improve your conditioning further than uh, is necessary or, or is, is um, uh, caused by the practice that you perform in the gym if necessary. And that kind of is, is sport dependent. That's a really good insight. And I wish I had things laid out to me that clearly early on when I started martial arts around 20 years ago. Um, and I remember when I started Muay Thai and I was learning how to kick, how pathetic my strikes were. You know, I wasn't hurting anybody. No one's getting hurt by me touching them, right? And then at the same time, I'm seeing these guys smashing the pads where their shins are getting red. It sounds like a gunshot going off every time they kick, you know, roundhouse kick the tie pads. And I'm like, I need to get there. And I practiced for years and years and years and years and years. I never got there. Didn't matter how much I practiced until I did starting strength. And then, uh, so I was, you know, kind of 160, 170, growing up, um, six foot two, training Muay Thai, not not intimidating, not effective, um, decent skills. And then did the program, got up to 230, ended up fighting at 200. And at 200, um, you know, my, my, my striking coach is the same striking coach as a, as a former UFC champion whom I won't mention, but he's a, he's a middleweight. I don't want to shame the poor guy. Um, but I kick harder than he does. So um, my technique plus starting strength means that I kick harder than a world champion fighter. So that's kind of cool. And it's funny to me because I've noticed grappling sports, they'll embrace barbell training way more readily than striking sports because you put your hands on somebody and you can feel, oh, oh, crap. Like this, this person's strong, you know, and no amount of technical superiority can help. Yes. And I see it all the time in wrestling where it's like, you know, I'll, I'll be coaching a girl and this girl of mine, she, she's pretty technical, but she goes against somebody who's just flat out stronger than her. And I'm like, Oh, this, this is going to be a fight, yeah. you know? And it just takes like one throw to get slammed and pinned. And I'm like, well, you should have squatted more. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, do me a favor, Maxine. If you see our uh, BJJ case study come out and it gets you fired up, call me. Cause I just watched a draft <laughs> of it and it's so fucking cool. Um, we took this black belt named Eric who, uh, trains, or I should say practices at our local jujitsu gym owned by my buddy. Who's a, black belt world champion. And Eric's kind of like a chill California, um, relaxed black belt, you know, kind of open guard player. And he's getting smushed by um, a high level 16 year old blue belt competitor. Don't get me wrong. He's one of the best blue belts in the world. But um, uh, he's black belt, right? So we put him through the program uh, for eight months. And then we did an interview with him with the get with the blue belt and with Andrew, the world champion. And it's, I won't, I won't give any spoilers, but it's, it's a hell of a video. And it just, it just reinforces the point that you just made that, um, 
you know, you can't pretend that strength isn't important and you can do some magic that's going to overcome physics. Um, yeah. you know, physics yeah. are about leverage and force. So jujitsu teaches you the leverage and starting strength helps you produce the force, ignore one at your own peril. Right. Um, yeah. and, and it does work in all martial arts as uh, delusional as some coaches want to remain. That's no problem. For example, I, I, uh, I was looking for someone to hold pads for me when I was living in California. So I called 24 hour fitness nearby and I go, Hey, um, is it cool if I come down there with a pad holder and just hit some pads at your gym? And the guy goes pads for what? I was like, Muay Thai. He's like, Oh, I'll hold pads for you. I was like, the guy that answered the phone at 24 hour fitness is like, Oh, do you do Muay Thai? He's like, Oh yeah, I'm a state champion. I was like, Oh shit. Cool. Um, so I meet up with the guy, we go train at 24 hour fitness. He's holding pads for me. And he's just like, you know, I kick the pads and his eyes are like, Oh, like, holy shit. And he's asking me. And I said, dude, don't listen to any of these idiots. I'm telling you from personal experience, you need to lift heavy weights and add five pounds of workout. And he, keep in mind, this guy's a personal trainer at 24 hour fitness, right? So then I provide him with starting strength coaching for free while he's holding pads for me. And I watched one of his fights um, before I started coaching him. And he, he's, you know, fighting at like 135 or 140 or something. He's a really, he's a little guy, right? And he's standing in the pocket and it's more like choreography or ballet or something. These guys are, they're not afraid of each other. When, I, when I'm in a fight, I come in, I strike, and then I get out of range. I don't want to sit there and, 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 do, and, and engage in a firefight. I, I value my brain more than that. But these guys are just sitting in the pocket cracking each other and no one's getting hurt. So it's like, is this fighting, you know? Um, and then I saw one of his later fights and mind you, we only got his deadlift to like 240 or something, but when he kicks people, it sends a message and they want to back away from him. And all of a sudden he's dominated and chasing and hurting people. It's like, well, you know, that's the idea. <laughs> so now you can do, you can do what you, your intent is in, in martial arts. Cause you've got some power behind your movements, you know? Yeah. And I mean, that, that buy-in is so crucial, it, you know, whether you're doing martial arts or even, you know, we're, I'm coaching at the Plano gym and it's just a, a mom and she, she has a hard time squatting to death and the buy-in for her is, Oh, well I can pick up my kids more easily now. It, it, you know, people sometimes need evidence just plowed through their face mm -hmm. <laughs> literally or figuratively you know no doubt yeah and that's one of the nice things about what we do is it's purely demonstrable it's like if your back hurts give me two and a half weeks man give me two if it's not working you can have your money back if it's working you're going to want to keep you know you're not going to quit obviously um you did you did mention motherhood you're you're a mom too aren't you yes i have a three and a half year old going on 16. <laughs> <laughs> yeah my niece is four that's an interesting age they're fun they say they say wild stuff <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny because you know she i've been trying to weight lift around her as much as possible so she'll go up and try to grab a barbell and she'll squat and at one point she knew how to press and deadlift and it's it's one of those things you, you just got to normalize around kids you got to normalize around moms it, it, you have to normalize it around everybody for them to even start buying in we're so you had already gone through the process of getting stronger prior to becoming a mother right so, yeah, when I first started barbell training, I was 19 years old. And of course, like anytime I deviate and get injured or have a long layoff, I'd go back to NLP. But quite honestly, I was probably like a early intermediate. And then when I, I had to literally start over once I had my daughter, you know, and at that point I had sciatica, I had two bulging discs. I, I couldn't even really squat the bar pain-free, yeah. you know, and I was having to do bench press off the floor. Cause of course during COVID 
it, it was just hard to find stuff. Mm. And I got up to a lot of my free baby strengths in under, you know, three or four months, Damn. you know, where by the time I maxed out my NLP, I was like, oh, I actually really need a coach now. And so I use Nick D'Agostino for my programming, which he's fantastic just because he knows I'm a train wreck of injuries. <laughs> and, and just, it was so surprising at my body remembering the strength, hmm. it, you know, because, you know, they talk about it where it, it's easier to get strong the second time or third time through because your body remembers. And, you know, I remember at one point when I was 135 pounds, you know, 245 for a squat was my one rep max. And since then, I've been able to add 20 to 30 pounds because I've allowed my body to grow. But it's just still like I can still do this stuff, you know, <laughs> and it's just mind blowing, like what your, you know, nervous system can remember. What's your body weight now? So I'm walking at like 150, 149. I'm actually going to be doing the strength lifting meet at Wichita Falls in May. So I'm trying to get to 145 just so I can comfortably eat that day. Nice. <laughs> but I mean, to put it in historical context, like when I competed in martial arts, my weight class was 121 pounds and I usually walked at like 130. And then I went through a crazy stint of trying to compete at 110 pounds. <laughs> So it's like a lot of my life has all been about being told I need to get smaller. I need to yeah. get smaller. I need to be as light as possible. And it's nice now because, you know, I've been able to coach wrestling. I'm kind of dappering in Brazilian jiu-jitsu and weightlifting where it's like, oh, you're actually rewarded for being bigger and stronger. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's it's been huge for my mental health. That's for sure. There's a bunch of stuff I want to do with this company. And some of it has to do with changing pop culture. And one of the things I would love to change about pop culture, especially now that I have a daughter, is uh, is just changing the message that it's all about being light and lean. You know, it just misses the point. It just misses the point. The people that say that don't understand that muscle mass is a variable that you can change significantly. And body weight is not is not that relevant a metric because it combines two very disparate metrics, body fat and yeah. lean body mass. And so, um, you know, the message that I'm gonna raise my daughter with is the, the weight on the scale should match the objective that you're trying to achieve. Um, and the lean body mass number is the important part. And then the body fat percentage can be dialed up or down depending on, on needs and goals, but, um, you know, being too lean isn't, uh, isn't a virtue, you know, I don't, I don't see the the value in being too lean. Anytime I get too lean, my back starts to hurt, you know, my joints start to hurt. Um, so that's, that's one thing I'd really like to change. It must've been interesting for you growing up in that era in martial arts. I know that, uh, that Misha Tate, for example, she's a former UFC bantamweight women's champion, um, at 135. uh, she grew up wrestling and just like you, she didn't have the opportunity to wrestle with girls. So she wrestled with the boys and, uh, she is a tough lady. That is a tough lady. You can, you can see the war she's been through and see her grit and her tenacity. It's incredible. Um, and, and wrestling has the ability to build that. And I think it's, uh, I think it's great that you are a wrestler and that you're teaching wrestling as well. And speaking of which, if you, um, you ever want to come down to Boise, we, we could use some wrestling instruction at our jiu-jitsu school. So, so cruise over some time sure. and we'll, we'll train together. 
Um, and then you can you can teach us jujitsu guys some some wrestling too. So when you go for the strength lifting meet in Wichita Falls, uh, what numbers will you be happy with? What are your what are your goals for your lifts that day? Um, I want to be able to actually hit a three hundred pound squat. Just because I remember last time it was like a year and a half ago, I did two seventy five. Everyone was like, "That's way too fast." Three hundred coming, and then for deadlift. I gotta be able to deadlift more than I squat, else I'll never hear the end of it from Rip and all the other. <laughs> um, and, and then with my press, just because my press is so sensitive to my stress and recovery, is, as long as I stay over a hundred pounds, I'll be happy. And it's kind of one of those. If you spoke to me like five, ten years ago, I'd be way more competitive and egotistical with the numbers. And I'll admit, I just, I guess, I've been humbled enough now where I'm like, hey. If I reach this particular goal, if I'm healthy during the process, then, you know, I'll be satisfied. You know, the, the, the four of us that are going to compete for Plano, you know, we got to at least like step up and do our best. So. Oh, yeah. By the way, your coach, Dagasino, just had a kid himself. I saw a photo last week. Congrats to you, Nick. If yeah, you're I, 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 he sent me a message, like a generic message to everybody. And then he's like, well, I can respond then. And I'm like, no, 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 it's okay. <laughs> I know you're not sleeping. It's okay. <laughs> And then uh, I spoke to Michael Jones on the podcast. Um, I, it strikes me that that you guys have a really special culture there. So Brent Carter is the owner of uh, three soon-to-be-four gyms in Texas, um, three of which in, are in DFW. So you're at Plano, then there's Dallas right there off Greenville Avenue, then San Antonio, right. and then later Fort Worth. Talking to Jordan on the podcast, talking to Michael on the podcast, these are guys that are really talented and they love what they do. And that, that is so evident when talking to them. Um, what is it about the culture over there? Is, is Brent just fantastic at hiring and selecting people? Um, is he, uh, is he instilling certain values in you guys or is it innate? Is there, what's the secret sauce there? How, how is it you, that you have such a special vibe, um, amongst the, the, the gyms that I mentioned? I mean, I think it's what I mentioned before with the buy-in because, you know, when I met Jordan and then I met Jones, he moved away and now he's come back to the great old state of Texas. It's like they are bought into the process. They're bought into the process as a trainee. They're bought into the process as a coach. They're bought into the process as being mentor coaches where they know without exception that this methodology works. And it's hard because I've had an interaction with a lot of different coaches and Brent just knows how to find people that are committed to that process. Mm. And that's kind of one of those things where some people will just innately hold on to it and, and some won't. And I've interacted with really good coaches who were in their own right, great at what they did, but the buy-in wasn't consistent or it wasn't there. And mm. then at that point, it, it's hard. It's hard to stay connected to starting strength. Yep. You know, they, they may be great coaches in other domains, sure. but, you know, people like Jones and people like Jordan, they just, they wholeheartedly embody that process. Tell me about your, uh, your philosophy on coaching or your style of coaching or what you've learned about coaching. Anything you want to say about, um, uh, Maxine as a coach, because it, you not only coach barbells, but you coach wrestling and martial arts in general. So, and you're a thoughtful person. So I'm sure you have some, some ideas to share on, uh, you know, what it means to be a coach, the importance of, the, of a, of a coach. I'd like to hear whatever you want to share. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I 
one of my beliefs and not trying to make it sound egotistical, but I guess it is a bit egocentric. Like I coach the way that I wish I had been treated growing up because I think of all the bad experiences I had where, you know, I went from having a coach telling me you're too small to fight it this way, which is what really pushed me to get as light as possible. And I'm thinking, I don't want to be that type of wrestling coach. So I'll frequently look at a girl and say, Hey, you should probably move up a weight class. And then same thing, you know, interacting at the Plano gym, I'll talk to these women who are, they're pretty fearful with putting heavy weight on their back. And, and I tell them like, Hey, you've handled harder things in your life. You know, like you're having to raise two kids and work full time. And so just learning to talk at their level while reinforcing this ideal that I wish I had as a coach really drives me forward. You know, where sometimes I get made fun of for being like the super positive, happy person at the gym coaching. (laughs) But, but at the same time, I've noticed like some people really need that. Yeah. Even though we like I mean, we like to complain about clients because, oh, they don't pay attention to details. But a lot of our clients are actually super hard on themselves where I I would have a woman do, you know, her five reps and be like, oh, I messed that up. And we're like, what are you talking about? Like the the weight moved and you you responded to corrections we gave you. And it's like sometimes they need a little bit of positive reinforcement. You know, we don't want them to think they're that good. We want them to get better. But, but it's like people, again, they need that buy-in to believe that, Hey, I can get better, but at the same time, my coaches support me. They believe in me. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they actually want me here, yep. you know, cause I've met clients who act like they're, they're not wanted at the gym. And, and Michael Jones is so good at his bad dad jokes. But it's like, that's what people look forward to when they come to the gym. They, they look forward to his philosophizing. They look forward to his comedy and his, you know, his music. And, and so again, that buy-in and that culture, I, I like to do that too as a coach. Mm. And I, I see positive progress in people when they feel that every day. Yeah. I noticed that a lot of my female trainees are hard on themselves too, more so than men. Um, I, I, uh, one gal that I coach, she's uh, she's middle-aged. She looks great. Her numbers are going up. She's a fantastic lifter. But the problem is, you know, a co- coaching is I'm, I'm nitpicking at you. I'm finding a little error that you need to work on, that you need to fix, because I want to make you perfect. And uh, I might give you, you know, three corrections within a five-rep set. Um, and, and they might be minor things, but the trainee is only hearing that, that she had three problems and, and she might finish that set thinking that she's a failure. And so I, I tend to look at people's faces um, as I'm giving them cues and then as they rack the bar to see how they feel about that last set. And if it's anything but triumphant, I make sure to let them know like, um, hey, so what, what's the deal? Are you, are, you, are you down on yourself? And then I just kind of clarify. Okay, so just so you know, you got all the important stuff totally correct. Um, when I asked you to keep your chest extended at the bottom, that's just a minor thing. Your movement pattern's perfect. Your stance is great. Hand, you know, grip is great. Um, but but and you're never going to be perfect at this, which is why you have a coach. So I just want you to keep that in mind that you're 99 percent there, um, and then we're just going to work on that last one percent. But don't let the one percent overshadow the 99 percent, right? Um, and then I'm I'm always uh, sure to to dole out compliments when due, uh, always when earned, right? Um, but if someone's kicking ass and making good progress and is being super responsive, they need to hear about it because 
I don't know this this whole these 2020s got off to a real nasty start and I think it's gutted a lot of people psychologically and people are really seeking positive reinforcement and positive experiences especially social experiences and uh I know that um that those people thrive in our gyms because of the great people like yourself and Michael Jones and all of Brent's people that are there supporting and and uh encouraging and helping you know Absolutely. Yep. And I mean, what's nice though, it's like, we're not, we're not just giving out a participation trophy, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, Hey, we're celebrating the fact that like somebody rack pulled, you know, 250 pounds and, you know, like three, four, six months ago, they, they couldn't even bend over and pick up the bar comfortably. So it's nice that sure we're, we're giving this positive encouragement, but these people are definitely putting in the work for it. So, um, Give me a couple of your favorite member stories. Do you have examples of, uh, of people that have really benefited from this that are worth sharing? Um, I've mentioned her before in other podcast interviews, but Lolisa, she's our 85 plus year old client. She was started at Dallas, comes to Plano, and she's just somebody where she's a tough lady. It, you know, like she'll attempt things that people half her age will shy away from. She'll literally like, you know, be swooning because she's tired, but she won't complain about it. And, and she's just somebody where you can start the training at any age and see a benefit. And, you know, to me, I'm like, I wish my family members lifted. You know, I wish my grandfather lifted. I wish my dad had lifted. I wish my mom would lift, you know, because she understands the importance of it. You know, she was brought in and bought into the process. Um, there's also another girl we have, um, her name's Kelsey. And I remember in her intro, she could not even squat, uh, her body weight. She had to have boxes and bands and it was like, and it's hard. Cause she was like a cop. She's a college age girl. She's like 19, 20 years old, mm. you know? And now you're seeing her squat well over a hundred pounds and rack pulling a ton of weight. And, and that's just one of those where, wow, she's going to continue forth in life a hell of a lot stronger because she came in here. And what helped was her mom is a member. So when, when, when you, and you know, and you, you get the importance, you have a daughter, it's like women will follow those that guide them mm. for better or for worse. Mm. And so it's like with Kelsey, because her mom lifted, she felt that inclination to lift and now she's seeing the results. And so who knows who Kelsey might influence down the road. Hell yeah. You know, and it's the same thing for your daughter. You know, she she will one day influence other girls due to the same thing you're showing her. You might think this is a this is a lie, but my daughter's two months old right now and she started squatting at one month. She was uh, she was hanging it. off my shoulder and then she extended her legs and she was fully supporting her weight. And I was like, what in the hell? I didn't know that was possible. So I grabbed her by the armpits. And then she eventually just let go and then I uh, just waited. And then she just stood back up. <laughs> I mean, it's an innate thing. And like, I'd look at videos of my daughter as a toddler. She has hip drive. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like it, it, but, and it's like, so imagine them growing up, seeing that as a normal thing. It, yeah. To me, that's huge. Yeah. Lily like, did her that, first that's... set of five last night. No shit. <laughs> Sitting on the couch. My <laughs> wife's uh, getting some exercise in finally, now that she's, you know, two months 
um, yeah. post-birth and, and then, uh, Lily and I are hanging out. She did her first set of five, took a few minutes, but she got it done. You know, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> are you coaching your, um, your wrestling team on under the barbell as well? So I'm an assistant coach. And so I don't have a lot of autonomy over the programming, but it, and that's always the conflict, you know, cause every head coach knows how to coach lifting. Right. Sure, sure, yeah. <laughs> um, and don't get me wrong. The, the head coach I work under at my school, he's a phenomenal wrestling coach. He's been involved in wrestling for over 50 years of his life. Mm-hmm. So I've just noticed you kind of have to chomp at it slowly where it's like, Hey, let's, let's introduce the idea of like, squatting with hip drive or hey let's show how to keep a sharp a straight bar path when pulling from a deadlift or like raising the hips up and so even though i haven't had an opportunity to implement programming per starting strength at least the small technical changes i've been able to like gently subtly incorporate (laughs) nice nice yeah, I've got a couple no. complaints. I mean, overall, wrestling is such a positive just because what it what it does to heart in your mind, it's incredible. Um, look, teaching young people how to grind like that is so useful, you know. Um, but shit, I do, I hate the idea of having young people cut weight. Um, and I love the message that you're sending of like, well, you know, maybe going up a weight class is the way to go. We can do that with muscle if you're willing to put some time in under the bar, you know. For sure. Yeah. Well, and even like showing healthy ways to cut weight because women's bodies and men's bodies, just like in barbell training, like they respond to weight changes differently where I've had to show girls like, actually, if you eat more and drink more water, you're going to drop the weight and weigh incorrectly. And they're like, what? I'm like, I've been starving myself for three days. And I'm like, yeah, that's why you're wrestling like crap, you know? Um, and, and so it's just, it's guiding people in the right direction and making sure that they believe the process and, and, I, and I feel like I'm being totally repetitive with it, but it's that buy-in, you know, yeah. whether it's with nutrition, barbell training, it's like people have to be bought into yeah. it. Yeah. That's the, uh, that's a feature of the human operating system. The belief comes first, <laughs> you know, um, if you don't believe in this, you're not going to put in the work. If you don't put in the work, you're not going to get the results. But at the same time, I don't blame anyone for not believing in this because you're just constantly lied to. You're lied to in the mass communications uh, via marketing. And then you're lied to when you walk in the door, either inadvertently because the person doesn't know any better or intentionally because the person is trying to get something out of you. And it's just created so much hesitation and fear in this screwed up industry. And it doesn't need to be that way. Um, And that's why the numerical aspect of this is so important. Um, And I I, I should let you know, Maxine, that we have um, a new update coming to the websites been working on this for a long time and uh, we're moving into testing mode and the new website is going to uh, plug into our logbook. So we built a digital logbook system for the franchise, right as right. a brand new company, really risky move, extremely expensive. But we did this because we knew that we are the only, we would be the only national fitness franchise that's able to quantify the progress of every single one of our members. So what could be more important than that, right? Huge differentiator. So this widget on the website is going to um, allow any visitor to punch in their age and their sex, and then it will tell the visitor how much stronger they can expect to get over time based on the average strength trainees of their peers, of their same age and sex, which is kind of cool. And that's version one. And then version two 
is we're actually working on a dashboard where you can uh, uh, open up any gym or any number of gyms or all the gyms and then set your parameters. How long has the person been training? How many times per week on average have they been training? You can select your lifts. Um, you can select a date range and then it'll spit out a leaderboard of the strongest people per gym or per group of gyms or across the franchise. And then it'll also show how much stronger people in that cohort have gotten over time. So this is, this is pretty exciting stuff. And I think it'll help. Um, I think it will help with the buy-in, right? Because as long as, as long as someone like yourself, a coach in a gym can explain to a training prospect that the weight on the bar, as the weight goes up, the structural changes you experience benefit you in every facet of your life. As long as that part can be agreed upon, then it's like, okay, so if that's, if that's the premise that we're building our logical chain off of, the next step in the chain is, well, you know, how strong can you as an individual get? And don't listen to me just mentioning a bunch of numbers and, you know, or referencing some one-off person training at the gym. Let me show you the averages. So I, I don't know. I, I think that's going to be useful. I was curious what you thought about that. Oh, I totally agree because, you know, we'll be coaching these clients and saying, hey, within a couple months, you'll you'll probably move this much weight. And they're like, ah, oh, no, never. Like, you know, this, I, we have, and I keep mentioning women just because women tend to talk to me more because I myself am a female coach. And, you know, you have these women thinking, I can never deadlift the big plates at 135 pounds. And, you know, Michael and I are kind of like, <laughs> you know, but it's where, unless they see other people do things that they don't know, you know, and people don't like the unknown. They get scared of the unknown. They shy away from the unknown. And one thing I do appreciate about starting strength is that not only do we want strong lifters, we want intelligent lifters. We want people to understand their programming. We want people to, to an extent, understand the science. So, you know, when we explain to certain clients like, Hey, because you're in the geriatric population, this type of volume is probably going to be too much for you. You know, we, we have to create certain variables or showing women like, Hey, you're actually still making progress, even though we switched to triples now. Mm -hmm. Um, so definitely having a database where they can find someone just like them, that that's going to be a huge game changer. And the fact that it's way more accessible than trying to look at a, you know, empirical study or, you know, just go to, I don't know, whatever 24 hour fitness cohort they have, you know, that that's huge. Yeah. And you need that in the whole fitness industry. Oh yeah. Well, hopefully it pays off. We'll see. It'll be, it'll be live. The website will be live by the time this episode comes out. Um, so I'm curious, are you, are you still competing in martial arts? So I retired from karate just because of all my obligations as a teacher and a coach, because I also teach AP biology because, you know, yay teenagers. Hmm. And it's like that itch is still there. And so I finally, finally decided to try Brazilian jiu-jitsu, even though I'll admit the whole guard thing kind of freaks me out. Cause I'm like, why are you just sitting on your butt? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Why, wait, we're and fighting. So like, why would you lie down on your back? What the hell are you doing? Well, well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and literally I try to take someone down and they just go straight in the car. And I'm like, you know, like, you know, I'm, oh, you know, it's right. so frustrating. But now that I'm actually trying and practicing and slowing myself down, I'm like, Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I see where this is going. Sure. You know, and if that opportunity ever comes up, it, it'd be awesome. But I also respect where I'm at now in my life as, as a mom, 
as a coach, as a person who likes to be able to have enough money to pay bills. So yeah. it's just, if that opportunity comes back, it would be a wonderful bonus, but it doesn't have to be a necessity in my identity now. Right on. Yeah, it's a good way to put it. I get the itch all the time. Um, I'm not going to do any more martial arts competitions, too, too many miles, but I have to have the conversation in my head probably about once a week. Um, <laughs> yeah. Are you a white belt then? Oh, yeah. And I'm totally okay with that. Yeah, yeah. Good, <laughs> because... good. Um, and, and you're familiar with uh, with the follies of white belts and kind of what mistakes white belts typically make, especially ex-wrestlers, right? So yeah, I had a, I had a buddy uh, who was a, a, a D1 wrestler going to a jujitsu class. And he is just, he's one of these guys who's out of his mind. He has one speed. It's full blast. hundred percent of the time was a pro snowboarder did, you know, flips and has countless concussions and just, just a complete knucklehead. And I go, look, man, you need to listen to me very carefully. Okay. If you go into jujitsu and you use the wrestling intensity, you're going to hurt yourself. You're going to hurt somebody else. So you need to go in there with humility and you need to focus on learning the techniques that they're showing you and not fall back to what you already know, which is being aggressive and driving forward and dominating and controlling and taking down and all that stuff. Second session in, breaks three ribs. <laughs> I tried to warn you, dude. I tried to warn you. Um, so it's it's good that you're that you're learning how to how to relax and uh, and I think actually the the I'm a I'm a white belt too, and I hope I'm getting pretty close to graduating, but. Um, Delgadillo thinks I'm ready, but my coach is pretty hard on me, which is good. Um, I think the the key is to uh, is to put yourself in the situations that are super uncomfortable, and then figure out how to survive. So it's like wrestlers need to spend lots of time on their back, and just if they're getting smashed and getting their guard passed, how do you recover? How do you how do you stay alive? How do you prevent the submission? And then um, and then once you're kind of in blue belt territory and beyond the wrestling experience really comes back in handy once you learn the jujitsu stuff and you combine the two and then you're, you're real dangerous. So I'm looking forward to that for you. That'll be fun. Yeah. And I'll admit too, it's like you mentioned the whole slowing down and it's also knowing how to pull off of the accelerator for the strength aspect. Cause mm -hmm. you know, I would start rolling with some women and I literally at one point did this double leg takedown and picked up this woman who probably weighed like, like 10 pounds more than me. And then like gently put her on the ground. I was like, Oh, oops. You know? And then I'll be wrestling these guys where they're pretty much almost choking me out, but I'm able to brace myself. And then I'm like, you know, I'm, it's so hard. Cause sometimes when you're really strong, it, it's a good compensation for technique. And then you have to like back off on that too. So that's probably the only problem with being strong. You know yeah. what I mean? No, truly, so. truly. Yeah. Like if, uh, if an NFL athlete comes into uh, the Gracie headquarters in LA and they've got a video on this, maybe Bree can link to it. It's kind of fun to watch. Um, the advice is do not use your strength. We all know you could, you know, throw me across the room. You're not going to learn jujitsu if you just pick me up and toss me on my head. Learn jujitsu and have the ability to do that. And then you're real, you're real dangerous, right? Um, are people blown away when they look at your height and then you grab a hold of them? Do, you, do, you, do they get a look in their eyes when they when they realize that uh, that they're going for a ride or what? I mean, I, I don't pay attention to it. I'll be honest. More people get that way just when I tell them how much I weigh mm. because, you know, I'm about 150 pounds and people don't really have a good reference point for body weight and stuff. And, and then I have had it happen where I remember when I used to coach boys in wrestling and I demonstrate a move and they'd be like, 
wait, you're 150? And they look at their friend and be like, hey, you're 152 and she's stronger than you. Damn and right like, I am. <laughs> I mean, you know, my, my thing is just like, it, it's, I'm so used to it. Mm -hmm. I, I forget that for other people, it's not a normal thing. And, that, mm -hmm. and so even when I'm like, you know, I get nervous because if I'm like drilling something with one of my girl wrestlers, I have to like totally back off on intensity and power because I'm like, oh yeah, I am going to be a heck of a lot stronger than a high school girl, even though she's been barbell training for six months. Because I have on and off been barbell training for, you know, 25 years, <laughs> you know? So it's just a matter of like paying attention to what I do in relation to others. Got it. Yep. So um, if you were to give some advice to 15 year old Maxine about uh, strength training, martial arts, life, career, whatever, what, uh, what would you say to her? You're enough. <laughs> nice. Hell yeah. I, I, I know it's like, okay, that's really short, but it's just because I never, I never felt good enough. I, I never felt light enough or small enough when I was having to compete in a weight class. Um, I was always comparing myself to guys results, you know, where heck I was like, why can't I deadlift 400 pounds? And it's like, Oh, well, you don't have male testosterone, <laughs> you know? So it's just, I was, always the worst opponent to myself where I would, I would literally beat myself before starting something. And it was funny because my parents were all about academics and Hey, your career. And to me, those things were easy. And yet the things that were hard that I wanted to excel at in athletics, I would, I would constantly just like literally punch myself in the face, be like, you're not good enough or this other person deserves to win. And unfortunately that, that kind of festered into how I handled relationships, um, how I allowed other people to treat me, you know, because I, I never thought I was good enough. And so I always had to be overzealous and overcompensate. And, and that's the thing too, where it's like with barbell training in that moment, in that day, in that rep, you're, you're enough, you know, you're, you're good enough to make that rep at that weight. You don't have to go any higher. You don't have to go any lower, like just be at peace with where you are in the journey. And, and I wish I had that advice sooner in life. Yeah. I, I wouldn't have listened to it if it were me, you know? Um, I remember, so the guy that, that I designed the starting strength logbook app, close friend of mine. He uh, co-founded a company with me prior to doing the gym's company. He's a talented musician, creative guy, um, brilliant dude. He told me once, he's like, man, it seems like, it seems like you've got something to prove. And he, I, I kind of took it as criticism. And uh, it might have been critical, like he might have been pointing something out to me that he thought was a flaw in my personality. And that stuck with me for a long time. And I, I thought about it. I'm like, you know what? I do have something to prove. I have something to prove to myself. Um, in my mind, I think I'm capable of a lot and, uh, I need to make sure that's true. And how do you find out if that's true? You put your neck out on the line and, and you see if you can pull it off. Um, but yeah, that's, it can be a blessing or a curse. If you're too hard on yourself, it can hold you back. If you're not hard on yourself enough, it can hold you back. So finding that balance is crucial. Um, those are the main things I wanted to ask you about Maxine. Anything you want to talk about that I haven't mentioned? I mean, I just appreciate the fact that you're so aware of the imprint 
that barbell training has for you currently, as well as, you know, your child, because it's, it's very easy to get caught up in whatever you've been raised around. And so you and I know with our generation to actually expose ourselves to barbell training was hard because we were adults in our adult life, Mm. you know, versus teach someone early on that it's safe and effective and promising, you know, and that's the big thing with the starting strength jams community is that, you know, your sister's bought into the process. You know, you have family members bought into the process. You have friends in completely different sports or activities bought into the process. And, and that's just one of those, again, not everyone's going to wrestle or do jujitsu or really hard, crazy combat sports, but everyone can take a dive at barbell training. You know, they don't have to ever compete. They don't have to ever become an advanced level, you know, lifter, but it's just, there can be such a profound forward reaching impact made on people once they touch the barbell. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Nick Delgadillo um, expressed this to me early on before I had much experience as a coach where he said, you know, for a lot of people, this is the hardest thing they've ever done. Yeah. I'm like, man, that's crazy. But that, that's true. That's our modern society, isn't it? And uh, yeah, if you don't test yourself and then a test comes where it's do or die, that's a, that's a pretty risky situation. So um, learning how to uh, grind, learning how to develop some grit. Um, we talk about it all the time on the podcast. We provide specific examples, but you really can't overstate the importance of that. And uh, I, I'm appreciative of, of people like you because you're not only just a fantastic role model, but also a fantastic role model for, for women. You know, this whole like, um, you know, you need to be thin and frail and dainty and all this shit. Like, how about, how about you become a killer and then, uh, and then that's the most important part. And all the other stuff is just noise. Because, um, uh, you know, you're a capable, strong woman that can defend herself. And that's a beautiful thing. Um, and I also just wanted to, to have you on, like I said, to, to expose your mindset to the, to the community and also just to show the community that all these great things I say about our gyms and the people coaching in these gyms, Maxine's a good example of what I'm talking about here. You can tell how much she cares about her members, you can tell uh, her level of commitment and and um, I was going to say buy-in, but not, you know, buy-in from yourself and the, the buy-in you demand from your members. Um, so you're kicking ass, Maxine. We appreciate you. Thanks for for coming on the show today. Um, if you so if if, uh, if a gal is watching this and is like, yeah, I've, I've been looking for a lady like Maxine and her her mindset, I think she'd be a great fit for me or whomever. Not just not just women, but it's, I'm assuming that you'll appeal to them most. Um, are you taking on online coaching members at the moment? I mean, I'll put it this way, because I'm not an SSC, it's like, you know, even if SSC is a black belt, like I still have plenty of room to grow. And and it's kind of one of those, I am always open to encourage and inspire and motivate people. But I mean, you know, I'd encourage, reach out to Michael Jones, reach out to Jordan and not just to like help them out, but it's just also be like, Hey, these are people that have completely walked the process, you know, And, and there's a lot of really competent female coaches. Um, you know, Ina, who really helped me get the internship at Plano, like she, she's a great women's coach, you know, and she's worked with women that have been pregnant as well as postpartum, you know? So what's nice is it's not just about me. There's a whole community of women and men that are trying to empower others. I agree with you. However, I believe there will be women that watch us sort of like, I want to talk to Maxine. <laughs> so if that, if that They're happens, will you take them? <laughs> 
Sure. Absolutely. So plano.ssgyms.com to, to, to inquire about online coaching through you. And then, um, do you want to share any contact details, uh, email or Instagram, anything like that? Um, you can find me on Instagram, Maxine Lasseau. Just know there's a T at the end because it's silent like a ninja. Um, if you maybe go to Michael Jones's page once in a while, he'll tag me in something like how I supposedly taught posing to the 5.30 a.m. class. <laughs> it was a joke. I might actually know that stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, and, and honestly, it, it, it sounds creepy, but just like you just Google search my name. Like I have a weird, unique name. It's going to be easy to find me, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maxine Lasso. Yeah, me too, unfortunately. There's me, and then there's a real estate agent in, in Chicago, and that those are the only two. <laughs> there you there. go. Um, awesome. Okay, awesome. Well, well, Maxine, if you don't mind, um, send Bree a bunch of footage and images from uh, all the things you've accomplished in, in physical sports and whatever you want to share, and she'll litter those throughout the episode for those that want to watch it. And uh, it'll sure. be cool to see you, know, you on the mats and you uh, competing in karate and all the things you've done, so... Thanks for sharing your story, Maxine, and looking forward to seeing you at one of the next events. Thank you. Really appreciate it. All right. See you guys. Thanks.